Well, in John chapter 3, I couldn't help but think as we are in this series, God, your family, and you, raising godly children in an ungodly world, first sentence I have in my notes today is this. According to the Bible, the parents are responsible to teach their children the word of God and the ways of God. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, because when you look at our nation and when you look at where we're at as a country and you look at the incredible amount of twisted thinking and perversion and hatred and killing and all of these kind of things that are going on, Folks, a lot of that stems back to the fact that people aren't even saved to begin with. There's been a breakdown, multi-generational breakdown when it comes to teaching our family the word of God, leading our children to Christ, being plugged into the local church as we should be, discipling our children the way we should be, all of these things. No wonder we're in the situation we are. How can you teach your children the word of God if you don't even have the word of God? If you don't even know the word of God, if you aren't even saved to begin with, you're gonna have a hard time teaching it as it is. And so we have this issue, okay? And as we have uh, been really talking about the entire family now for eight weeks, I hope you see the seriousness of this issue of the family and uh, training up your children in a biblical way, according to the scriptures, the way we ought to be. Now, with our children, of course, for them to understand the scripture, salvation has to be first. They need to know Jesus Christ the Savior. Now, that's not just an, a matter of simply giving them information, but, but wanting to lead them to Christ. Now, again, you can't strong arm a person into salvation. Do we understand that? You can't say, well, you will believe. You're my child. You will believe. Believe. On the count of three, believe. Okay? It doesn't work that way. They have to see their need, but that will come. You might say, well, how do I know they'll see their need? Because the Bible says God is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Because the Bible says that when Jesus said, he said, when I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. There's no question. There's no question that the Holy Spirit is working in lives and convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That includes your children. And so when we raise them properly and train them up properly and get them to understand, you know, what sin is and all the, there's the wages of sin is death and all these kind of things, this is going to start opening up doors to their understanding to where they will see their need of a savior. And as we saw last week, you better get them while they're young. You better try to lead them to Christ while they're young. Now, I know the Calvinists would probably have a fit with that, you know? You can't lead them to Christ. It's not up to you. It's a matter of, you know, God working in their life, all this kind of stuff. Baloney, baloney. You don't see that in Scripture, all right? Jesus said, let the children come to me. And then he said, listen, if you want to enter the kingdom, you need to have the faith of a what? Not a theologian, a child, a child. Kids can understand it. Now, I know there are people who teach, well, no child can understand the issues of the gospel until they're in their teen years and all this kind of stuff. That is absolute baloney, okay? Children can understand the gospel and trust Christ the Savior. We've got many children or many young people in our church, and some of you who are adults right now, you trusted Christ as your Savior when you were three, four, five years old. You got saved, and you knew it, and you understood the gospel. So folks, it's imperative that we are diligent with this. Not again, you can't force it on them, but you have to let them see the truth and let the Holy Spirit work in their life, and then you can lead them to Christ. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, by the way, by the way, 
How many of you got saved as a child? Raise your hand. Okay, that vast majority of the people in our, they just raised their hand. Vast majority of them, all right? What does that tell you? It tells you that we need to be diligent, right? John chapter three and verse 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten son, that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He came into the world, why? Jesus said he came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. That which is lost is every person. Every person is in the world lost to begin with. So therefore, who did he come to seek and to save? Everybody. Okay, if everybody's lost, he came to seek and to save everybody. And Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. He completely paid for all of our sins there, past, present, and future. He rose from the grave to prove it was done. And he says, if you will believe, whosoever, that means anybody, whosoever believeth in him, you put your faith, your trust in him, Two promises, you should not perish, end up in hell, but have everlasting life. Live with the Lord forever. The moment you trust Christ, God gives you everlasting life. So salvation is first. Look with me also over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Let me share this with you, dear friend. There's a lot of people running around today. I would say the vast majority of people, even people who call themselves Christians, who say you cannot know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Let me make a statement. The idea of knowing you have the assurance of salvation, the idea of once saved, always saved, which by the way, that's the only way you can know you have salvation, is if once saved, always saved is true. Because if you believe you can lose your salvation, you can't be sure that you have it. You know, you just can't. Are you gonna be faithful to the day you die? Well, you don't know that. To say, oh yeah, no problem there, that's pretty boastful, that's pride, and by the way, that's a sin, that's a sin. No, the only way you can have the assurance of salvation is if our way to heaven does not depend upon us, but depends upon what Christ did for us, right? And it says in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, okay? The Son of God, Jesus, the name Jesus, God who is our Savior, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, look at the next term, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know that you have eternal life. You can be sure of that. Friend, listen, eternal security is not a separate doctrine from salvation. People say, well, that's, if you're saved forever or not, that's that's something different than just being saved. No, it's not. If you're not saved forever, you're not saved. It's not a separate doctrine. If you're not saved forever, you're not saved. Because if you can lose it, how are you going to lose it? By misbehaving? By not being faithful? By not walking with God? Well, all that has to do with the way you live your life. You're not saved by the way you live your life. You're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Now, as we were talking about last week, we were talking about that third pillar, you might say, practice that we need to be doing. There was, the first one was unconditional love. This is how you train up children properly. Unconditional love, which means you love them no matter what. It doesn't mean you love everything they do, but you love them no matter what they do. Secondly, we saw firm, consistent discipline. We spent several weeks on that. The third one is godly biblical instruction, which is what we're on today, our second week on that. And then, of course, the fourth one next week will be godly parental example. But we are to, as far as instructing our children, we are to teach our children the word 
of God. Now that isn't just at home, okay, but it begins there. But in the days and times in which we live, we have this wonderful thing called the church. And that is, that is the plan, the vehicle of God to get the gospel to the world, the local church. Deuteronomy chapter 6, turn there with me. Deuteronomy 6 in verse 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, verse 7, and thou shalt teach them how diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Now, by worldly standards, you'd be a fanatic. Oh, the joy of being a fanatic for Christ. Now, friend, listen, what is it saying? That your home is not merely a place where Christians live, it's a place where Christ lives, okay? Everything has to do with Jesus Christ, not some nutty religious idea, but a living walk, okay? The reality of Christ is in your home. You have a truly Christian home is the idea, and we have the responsibility to teach our children. Now, the great commandment is that we would love the Lord, and then we would pass that on, of course, and start teaching our children, okay? Secondly, believers have a responsibility to teach our children God's words and ways at all times. Folks, the parents have a responsibility to teach children a biblical worldview, okay? It isn't you live your life and then you've got your Christianity on the side, Sort of like, you know, uh, salad dressing on the side. No, no. It's all through our lives, all through our homes. Now, we left off last time on number two. Believers have the responsibility to teach our children God's word and ways at all times. How in the world, number three, how in the world do you accomplish such a thing? Now, let me say this, and I appreciate every parent who's serious about this and has a commitment to this. But let me say this, friends. There are ways to do this and ways not to do this. And some parents, they're militant in the way they think. And what they do is they end up turning their children off by the way they do this. They mean well. They mean well. But it turns the children off to it. How do you do it in a way that keeps them open, that keeps them teachable, that keeps them on your team? so to speak. How do you do that? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter six. Scriptures that we've already seen, but are incredibly important to our study. Ephesians chapter six, and it says in verse four, it says, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, to anger, all right? And it's interesting how this is put together, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word nurture means the training. Now, here you go, though. The word admonition means to put into the mind. So we are supposed to train or discipline our children, discipline them properly. Remember when we were talking about child training in in a sense of discipline and how to discipline and so forth, and I said over and over and over, without control, there's no learning. You have to have your children under control if they're going to be open, be teachable, be in submission to what you're having to say. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Now, how do we do that? The way we do that is we live reactionary. We live by mood. What's our mood today? 
Well, we'll do our parenting right because we're in a good mood. But what about tomorrow? Well, then we don't care or this or that. Friends, you know what that does? It frustrates children, you know? Which mom is going to get up today? Which dad is going to get up today? Well, you ought to be the same all the time. Oh, I have a hard time. That's why we have the Lord, folks. Yes, there's hard times in life. There's difficulties in life. There's trials. That's why we have the Lord to lean on him to help us by his grace to give us the power and the ability to live for him and to live consistently. And you notice, by the way, back in Deuteronomy that the word had to be first. Our love for the Lord was first and his word had to be in us before we could teach it to our children. See, you can't lead your children where you haven't been yourself. So the reality of having Christ real in your own life as a Christian parent is so incredibly important. And if we don't, we won't teach them properly, raise them properly. And you notice this, do not provoke your children to wrath. means anger. Poor parenting leads children to be angry, to be resentful, to be, as a result of that, rebellious, rebellious. So how is biblical instruction accomplished? Let me give you some ways. Some of these things are just things that my wife and I learned in in raising up our three girls. Others, they're just biblical truth, okay? I'm just gonna, as far as with us, some of the tools we use that we happen to come across, and I just wanna pass those on to you, okay? The first one is this, obviously, literal teaching. Literal teaching, teaching your children literally the word of God. That's the word admonition, to put into the mind. Now, let me say this. I am not talking about having hour-long Bible studies every day with your children, okay? Now, that would be an iffy proposition even if you didn't have a church to go to because don't expect a three- or four-year-old child to sit there for long periods of time while you expound the Word of God, okay? Folks, a church like ours where we are open six days a week, we've got ministries everywhere from preschool through high school as far as Christian school goes. We've got the Iwana program. We've got Sunday school. We've got Sunday mornings. Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, we've got scripture, scripture, Bible, 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 okay? The kids in school every day, they have devotions. We have devotions with the kids every single day in our school. They're getting the word of God, okay? Don't think, well, I I need to have a a one-hour Bible study with them. No, you don't. Now, I'm not saying don't get with them. You'll see this in just a couple minutes. Teaching them the word, that's a good thing. But Be context sensitive, okay? I just cringe when I hear uh, parents, you know, they've they've got little preschool-aged children or even five, six-year-old kids, and they want to sit there and they want to teach them for an hour the Word of God, and the kids won't cooperate, they get squirmy, and so they stop the Bible study in frustration and go and spank their children because they won't sit still. Did you sit still at that age? Probably not. You might say, well, I did. Well, you're an exception if you did because most of them are going to have a little harder time. Now, it's an issue of time. It's not a matter of don't teach them. It's an issue of time. How much time are you taking to do this? I hope you understand what I'm saying by this. So literal teaching, we are to teach them the word of God, okay? Teach them the scriptures, know the word of God, cover it with them, but not, not in a way to where it's too much for them. Don't expect your children to eat steak 
if they still don't have teeth, so to speak. They're going to choke on it. Secondly, use effective tools. Now, obviously, first, of course, is the Bible itself. And there is no substitute for the Word of God because the Word of God is the thing that is living and it is alive and it is profitable. Second Timothy chapter 3, it says, All Scripture is given, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's profitable for doctrine. Now, number one, it's profitable. So the word of God is profitable. What is doctrine? Doctrine is what is right. Reproof, what is wrong? Correction is how to make things right. And instruction is how to keep things right. Now, the Word of God will do that in the life of an individual, whether it's an adult, whether it's a teenager, college age, whether it's a a preteen, whether it's just an elementary age child, whether it's a preschool child, kindergarten, whatever. The Word of God is powerful. But do it in a way to where you're keeping your children open to it. Third, when appropriate, and this is a way to do it, very practical, by the way. I've heard people say over the years, you know what, I, I know I should be having some time and read with my kids and this and that, or I, I know I'd like to have devotions with my kids and talk about things. I just don't know what to cover. I don't know what things to talk about. Well, that's what I'm giving you today. And let me give you a suggestion. When appropriate, discuss your notes from the messages on Sunday. You have before you today, even, you have an outline of the message today. And you have all the scriptures there, okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to teach it, you know, every word the same as I give on Sunday or whatever, or those who are speaking at different times. You know, it's not just me. We have other men who, who preach and teach the word of God. But what I am saying is this. This is a good place to start. These are written in a way to where kids can understand them. Did you know that, by the way? Kids can understand. Did you know our kids in church, they're listening and they're learning in church? That's important. You can review those things. These things are full of scripture. How about just take even one of those Bible verses and talk about it with your kids? Hey, do you remember on Sunday when Pastor was talking about there in, in 2 Timothy 3, he was talking about the Bible. Do you remember anything he said about why the Bible, it's, he used the word profitable. Uh, what, is, what does that mean, something is profitable? Does anybody have an idea? What does that mean, something is profitable? By the way, this is what I do in school devotions is I ask questions to the kids and get them to give feedback. Why? Because you get to know what they're thinking. Not only that, but they understand. I better pay attention because he's asking me questions. Okay? Do you see how this works, folks? This is not complicated. It's just a matter of, are we working together? Are we working together? So use this. This This is a great tool you can use. And, uh, you know, you've probably, if you keep these, you've got an army of these things. You've got enough material for the rest of your life, or at least the rest of the time your children are living in your home. So when appropriate, discuss your notes from the messages on Sunday. Now, what do I mean when, when appropriate? Well, if we're talking about some uh, more of an adult concept or whatever that you know your children can't understand, you know, don't try to get that, you know. Uh, There are things in in Scripture that are just hard to understand, even for adults. 
Don't try to insist that onto the mind or press that onto the mind of your child. He's got his life. She's got her life ahead of her. They'll learn these things, especially if they stay plugged in to church the way they should. That this can be helpful to all ages. And by the way, not just the little ones, but elementary, teenagers, talk to them. You know what it does? Your little ones are learning from your older ones. The older ones are learning from you. And you're learning where their heads are at because you're communicating. You're teaching them the word of God. You see, this is not some sterile thing. This is family life. Now, what are some supplemental materials you can use? Well, remember, obviously, as I already mentioned, the Bible is first and foremost. That's our anchor. All right. Now, whenever I mention certain things, you know, somebody knows something about it and I'll either get somebody emailing me or call, you know, well, don't you know this and this about this person or that person or how could you recommend something from that publishing house or all this kind of stuff? Uh, Folks, I'm not going to tell you about anything that's a waste of time. All right. All of our children are doctrinally sound. None of them are off into heresy. Take a deep breath, okay? Just say, okay, got it. What pastor is saying is there's some really profitable things in this material, but no, we're not going to agree with every line in it. Now, I know there are people who have a hard time with that, but um, too bad, all right? Let me give you one. This is one that was a blessing to our family. Now, may not be a blessing to yours. That's okay. We had one that we loved. Our kids loved. It was called Little Visits with God. Little visits with God. And now here you go. Hold on to your seats. Somebody's going to have a cow on this. It's published by Concordia Publishing. (gasps) Don't you know that's Lutheran? Yes, I know it's Lutheran. Okay, but let me tell you something. We wouldn't have used it if it didn't have good material in it. And it's got almost completely, there's a few little things, good material. Not only that, you're not giving it to your children to read You're using it as a tool to get them into thinking about God. That's what you're doing. We liked it because what it does, each page is one devotional, one page. That's it. And there's a lot of white space on that page. See, there's not enough to bore your children. There's enough to pique their interest. Isn't that what you're trying to do, especially with the little ones? My, how we loved it. I can remember it like it was yesterday. The girls would get their baths, you know, and they're all clean and their hair's combed and they smell nice and everything and they're in their pajamas and then they, they would come and they get up on the couch and they scoot real and close to you. Aw, isn't it nice? <laughs> and you're there and, and you're, and man, man, they're glued. It's like, Daddy, can we, they're asking, can we have it? Can we listen? Boy, you've got their interest. See, what's nice is it introduces a scripture, gives you a scripture, And then there's a little short story. And then it has questions at the end of it for discussion. So you don't even have to be creative. Doesn't that sound good for those of you who have little ones? And you know what? Occasionally, there's a hand-drawn illustration in there. There's not a lot of them. They're not on every page. But occasionally, there's one. Man, that was like the bonus round when there was a picture in the book. They wanted, every one of them wanted to see that, but they were glued on these things. But it's just, you might say, well, how long did it take? Depends on how much they wanted to talk. Five minutes? Five minutes. Yeah, you know what? You give them five minutes to where they're interested and they want more, but all you give them is five minutes, you've got them glued tomorrow. 
Do you get it? You get what I'm saying? You don't say, well, you know what? We can polish this book off in three nights. (laughs) And you're an hour and a half in there and they're just, how'd you sleep? Yeah, they slept good. You exhausted their minds. Little visits with God. There's another one that came after that. More little visits with God. How about that? Little visits with Jesus. Now again, folks, you as a parent, you're in control of these things. If you come over something that's not 100% doctrinally sound, skip that one or change it. They can't read anyway. They're not going to know. It's okay. There's another one, God's Little Devotional Book Series. There's a whole series of books put out. It used to be put out by a, a publishing company called Honors or Honor Press or something like that. These are little ones. They've got little devotional books. They've got them for for dads, for families, for this person, for that person. You can use these, and they've got great ideas, and they're all biblically based, okay? And by the way, the little devotional book series, they're not related to little visits with God or more little visits with God. They're, They're not related. Same idea as the first ones, but there's no question, so you'd have to come up with your own questions. Let me give you another one. There's many ministries that you can get, you know, find a sound ministry that sends out a daily devotional or something like that through email. And you could uh, sign up for that and, and you could occasionally use one of those. I wouldn't use it every day, but use one of those to talk to your children. Uh, I personally love the book Living Water written by uh, Dr. James Scudder. It's my favorite devotional. I've got a lot of devotional books and that's my favorite. And that is absolutely, the vast majority of time, appropriate for family time. They're simple, they're to the point, and it's completely like-minded. There's not one shred of false doctrine in that book. Now, you can only get it right now in electronic form. It's out of print, but you can get it in electronic form. And you know what you could do? You could, you could get it that way, and you could each day just print that page for the day and use it with your kids. Okay? Or get a tablet, or if you have a PC or whatever, you could read it right off of there. I'm just giving you some ideas, okay? Let's move on from specific ones. E, relaxed discussion. This is so powerful in training your children. This has to do with application. Again, don't give long sermons to your kids. As you go through each day, look for teaching moments. There's the two key words here on this. Teaching moments. Now, a teaching moment is not the same as a lecture. A teaching moment is a time of interaction, conversation with them, all right? As an example, what you see out in public, what you see on vacation. And what do I mean? Not just, you know, like uh, people doing things wrong and then you discuss that. That would, that's a time, but that's not all you do. You look at the good things, okay? Let's say you go to the park. Let's say for an example, uh, you know, the flowers come out down here at, at, at Munsinger Clemens Gardens and you, you go down there and you see all these incredibly gorgeous flowers and you look at the geometry. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? The shape of those flowers and the intricate detail. And then they're not, they don't look like they've been blown up, folks. They look like they've been designed. Well, something that's designed means that there's a what? A designer. And we know who that is. That's God. And so these are teaching moments. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Do you notice that one has five petals and that one has five petals and that one has five petals? Why doesn't, why are they that way? Somebody made them that way. Do you see what we're doing? We're having family time in the Word, but we don't even have an open Bible. We're just talking about it. 
Drive down the road, you know? Maybe you're going through the part of our country. Well, there's so much of our country that's beautiful. Minnesota's beautiful, Wisconsin's gorgeous. You go through mountains and all that, and you look and you say, look at, look at how beautiful this is. Isn't it amazing what God made? You're teaching. You're putting things together. You're molding their thinking, and they're seeing as they should be saying. Anybody who says there's no God is blind, willfully blind, because all you got to do is look at creation, and you know there's God. Use it as a tool. Maybe one of your children has a problem with one of the other children at at church or at school or something, and they come home and, and you know, I had a problem, or you, you look kind of down. Yeah, I had a problem with so-and-so today. They were saying this or being this way or, or whatever. Here's what you say. You don't jump on the other kid, okay? Here's what you say. Let's talk about it. There you go. Teaching moment. Let's talk about it. And what you do is you lovingly, keeping the dignity of the other family, by the way, you don't need enemies, you don't need your child going back. And, My mommy said about your mommy that, you know, oh boy, here you go. No. What you do is you take that opportunity and you talk about it and you say, now, what would be the best way to handle this situation? What would be the best way to fix this? You're teaching them reconciliation. Isn't that an important part of life? You see how this fits, folks? This is exciting. I don't know about you. This is exciting to think of doing this. Let's have some more kids and we can do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> do you get the point? That's funny. This is the only side that laughed about that. And the rest of you over. <laughs> we have found that simple, single principles are the way to go when the kids are young. Simple, single principles. Okay? Folks, do not drown them with heavy biblical truths or long things of scripture. They're probably not going to be able to take it in, okay? Especially with the little ones. Simple biblical principles, okay? Then the issues can become more complex as they get older. But you'll know that because you're the parent and you're plugged into their life. And by the way, the little ones will surprise you at how much they really do get. I think everybody knows that. They'll amaze you. Questions that they ask. Some of our elementary kids, they have questions that would make your head spin that are deep, and I get excited about it because they're thinking. Here's another one, family communication. See, what keeps this going is allowing your kids the freedom to express themselves, and by the way, that's what I'm saying. Family communication. Allow your children the freedom to express themselves. Welcome real questions from your children, okay? Folks, now that differs from the obnoxious controlling child who keeps saying, why, 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 why? All they want to do is be heard and occupy your time, okay? I'm talking about, they say, you know what? I don't, I don't like this, or I don't, I don't like that. Well, why, why don't you? Or they get to be maybe teenagers or preteens, and they ask you questions, and that maybe alarm you. Do they have the freedom to ask you those questions? Don't freak out. Okay, if they ask you a question that catches you off guard, don't freak out. Be calm about it. Deal with it as it is, and you can help them. But always have time to answer their questions. Always have time to discuss the issues. So important to do that. I know I've shared this before, but in our house, it seemed like some of the, some of the deepest, most important talks in the lives of our girls 
we're at night when everybody's exhausted. And here we are, maybe we're in, we're in the kitchen and we're about to go to bed, turning off the lights, and they say, can I talk to you about something? It's like, huh? <laughs> you know, that's how you feel. But it's like, let me tell you something. They don't ask that unless there's something on their mind. You deal with it, deal with it properly at that point. And I can't tell you folks how many things were talked about as we stood, not sat, stood in the kitchen and discussed things. But they're things they never forget. See, this is all part of the responsibility of training our children in the word of God and the ways of God, that godly biblical instruction that needs to be there. And you see how natural that is? It's natural. And that's the way, by the way, that's usually when things are the most profound as far as what they learn. You need to spend time with your kids in this regard. Washington Times National Weekly, 1995, it said this, and I quote, study, there's a study that says there is more happening at family meal times than just eating. A family that eats dinner together is doing a lot more than eating, said Paul Krauss, a publisher of Who's Who among American high school students. The survey also showed, you ready? Students who never eat dinner together with their families are three times less likely to have a happy and close home life than those who regularly eat dinner with their family. High school students who rarely or never eat dinner together with their families are almost four times as likely, four times, to engage in sexual intercourse than those who regularly eat dinner as a family. 67% versus 17%. And by the way, that's not necessarily Bible-believing homes. This is just people in general. See, as much as possible, have a time of the day when everyone is together. Now, I know there's times when that can't be, but this is important. It is as great a time for communication and training as anything else. Okay, Be a good listener to your kids. Let's move on. As they get older, teach them how to have their own devotions and time with the Lord. Now, listen, that's rough at first. It's rough with, at first. You know, they get there and say, Mom, Dad, I'm just, I'm trying to read my Bible. I've got my notebook. I'm not, I'm not learning anything, okay? Don't ball them out over that. Just say, look, you'll learn how to do this. This is important, though. See, you're discipling them in this. You're discipling them. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's what we want to teach our children to do. And what will be the result of that? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do we want our children to prosper? Yes, we do. Then what do we need to do? We need to encourage them and help them learn how to learn on their own to where they develop a daily walk with God himself. Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do you notice all of this has to do with scripture? They need to learn, folks. We need to disciple them with this. Show them what you do. Just give them some ideas. Be patient. 
Be patient. This is something that they are to carry with them all the days of their lives. Therefore, let's work with them. Let's team up with them on these things. Get them to sit down and read, asking themselves two main questions. And they're the same things I use with those of us who are adults. Okay, you can do this, by the way. Daily time in the Word, you can do this. Number one, what did I learn from this passage today? Number two, how can I obey or apply it to my life today? There you go, there's Bible study. You don't need books on how to study the Bible. I just told you how to study the Bible. It'll come, be patient, you'll get it. The pieces of the puzzle will fit together. More and more as time goes on, you'll see it, you'll get it. What did I learn from this passage today? How can I obey or apply it to my life today? And before you ever sit down, pray. Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in thy law. That is a biblical prayer. And if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if he hears us, we have the petition that we desired of him. I trusted Christ a long time ago. Now, I would like to be able to say, every time I've ever opened the Bible, I've prayed first. That's not true. That's not true. But I can tell you this. Every time I prayed before I opened my Bible, God always gave me something. Always. And he'll do the same for you and for your children. See, without our children, folks, learning how to walk with God themselves, they will never follow him. Christianity will not be something that they adopt for their own. They must have a relationship with the Lord himself. And when I say that, I know that the foundation of the relationship is faith in Christ. When you trust Christ, you become a child of God. Now you are related to him. You're a son of God. You are related. I get that. But I'm talking about a vibrant relationship with him. Okay, a daily walk, a fellowship with him each and every day. If they don't get to that point, it's not going to be real to them. They should hunger for it. Let me give you another one. Teach them to pray. When there are concerns that came up that day, it's a good time to pray for them. Pray right then with your kids. When they come, when they come up, those issues, pray for them. When God answers their prayer, discuss it and let them see that our God is living and real. Do you remember when we prayed for that? I can remember, I can't remember specifics right now, but I can remember our kids getting so excited. Mom, Dad, we prayed for that, and look what God did. Yeah, yeah, talk about it. It's all part of the responsibility, folks. Here's another one. Teach them to be ministry-minded, now and for the future. Ephesians 4, 16, okay, we won't go through that, but they have a responsibility to be plugged into local church ministry and to be living for Christ and serving with other believers. This is the will of God. Don't even pray about, well, is it the will of God? It is the will of God. It's in the word of God. It's the will of God. Okay. Here's another one. And I really want to challenge you folks with this. I really want to challenge you. Encourage them, not pressure them. There's a difference encourage them to go into full-time Christian work. Now, that does not mean people who don't, there's, that there's something wrong with them. Not in any way, shape, or form. But here is what I'm saying. While not everyone will go into full-time vocational Christian ministry, many need to. There's a need for that. Pastors, evangelists, teachers, administrators, okay? You know, it's, oh, we love to use scriptural ideas. Well, you know, I don't feel called. I don't feel called. Let me ask you a question. 
folks. Is your spiritual phone off the hook? Do you have the silencer on? The ringer's turned off? Has God been calling, but you're not interested in picking it up? Maybe that's the case. Now, maybe not, but maybe that is the case. See, I believe there are people who ought to be in ministry that aren't because they didn't want to pay a price for that. Again, I know it's not God's will for every person to be in full-time vocational Christian ministry, but it is God's will for all of us to be in full-time Christian work wherever we find ourselves, right? And that's okay. That's okay. Now, we're blessed to have three son-in-laws who are pastors, but that was not in any way a requirement, okay? The only requirement with all three of our girls is simply this. Well, there, there are two parts of it. Number one, are they saved? And number two, are they dedicated Christians, dedicated to Jesus Christ, wanting to live their life for him? That's it. The rest of it, doesn't matter what they did, but God blessed us with a wonderful situation. See, in Isaiah 6, 8, it says, also I heard the voice of the Lord. <laughs> he was listening, saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. But he heard the voice of the Lord. See, God is calling. The matter is, are we listening? And then here's the last one. Serve the Lord as a family, okay? God has given us the gift here. Listen, I get so excited about this. God has given us the gift here at this church, Northland Bible Baptist Church. He's given us the gift of a multifaceted ministry. There is something for everyone There's places where everybody can get plugged in. And folks, we ought to be teaching our children as we do. You were created to bring glory to God. That's the purpose of your life. And through our local church, you're going to have opportunity to do that and to learn how to do that. And whether you stay here or go out, you're still going to have the tools because we're committed to that, to where you're going to live your life for Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's powerful. Now, certainly the way we live our lives as parents has a profound impact on our children. We're going to talk more about that in our last session, which happens to be next week. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.